All right, hello everyone. Welcome to episode three of the Hockey Locker. I'm your host, Chris Sarver, with the guys, Chris Tremani and Sean from Buffalo. Hey, hello, hello. We have a special guest on the episode of the Hockey Locker, the Philadelphia Flyers player development coach and former Flyers defenseman, Nick Schultz. Nick, thanks for joining us. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. Looking forward to uh, to being on the show. Thanks for. Uh, we really appreciate you know you coming on and talking with the guys. Uh, how's the new role so far? How's everything going? You settled in, and uh, yeah, it's been good. It's something I have. Uh, this is my third year retired from playing now. So uh, when Chuck Fletcher took over with a team here with the Flyers, he kind of reached out to me, and it's uh, it's kind of a role that teams are are looking to some ex players to kind of fill and stuff, just because you've kind of been through. Uh, different stages of development and the different leagues and, and kind of, you know, made that jump to the, to the NHL level. So uh, it's been good. So basically my job is like, well, with the uh, prospects with the, mainly the defensemen that they've drafted that are in uh, junior college uh, and watch them play and just kind of keep tabs on them. I can watch a video on them and, and keep in touch with them and their coaches and, and see how they're doing and just making sure they're doing the right, uh, right things to get to the, get to the next level. And then, uh, in Allentown that have made the jump to hockey, but just uh, are looking to keep developing and, and, you know, ultimately trying to make that last step from, from the AHL to the, to the NHL. So there I kind of work with the forwards and the D and just try to help them uh, in any way I can with their game um, on, on or off the ice. Actually, if, if there's ways they can get, get better away from the rink, any, anything you kind of see that, you know, from the, from the past just to try to help them uh, ultimately one day become a flyer. So, Okay, that's awesome. Are you you're working alongside Shell Samuelson then, right? Yeah, so Shell uh, Shell Samuelson and John Riley uh, works the forwards, and they have Brett Hextall who also helps out with the forwards, uh, and then Brady Robinson is the guy, uh, the gentleman that works with the uh, goalies and stuff. So they kind of got a couple guys with the forwards, a couple of the D, someone with the goalies, uh, kind of out watching and always kind of in contact with these guys, and then trying to trying to help them out. So I know myself when I was drafted. After you got scouts and stuff watching you, and then teams pick you, they didn't really have any kind of contact with you throughout the year before you kind of would show up at training camp. So now, kind of teams are in constant contact with these players through their development staff. There's development camps in the in the summer right after um, the NHL draft to try to get guys in and get them used to one another and to to be around the development staff and kind of work on on key things. And if it's certain players uh, that need certain aspects of their game improved if it's their skating, if it's their shot, if it's whatever it may be in their game to make sure that they're constantly working on that and, and trying to get better. So, Okay. Hey, Sean, uh, I know you had a question or two relating to prospects development or um, anything you want to add to that? Yeah. So, Hey Nick, thanks for uh, hopping on. It's good to, uh, good to talk with you. So, uh, you know, I've always been kind of fascinated from a development standpoint on, you know, what I would call like the intangibles. Like, obviously, these guys all play at a high level and, yeah, they, you know, you're you're going to work with them and, and help them develop, you know, those couple things that you mentioned, say, shots, skating, things like that. But how do, how do you, you were in the league a long time, obviously. So, and this is kind of a long-winded question, but I, I'm always curious, like, there's a lot of intangibles that you can't teach. So are, are you able to being in the league as long as you were, does, does that kind of help you identify the, the players? Like, can you see a guy and be like, you know what, this kid has the, the it factor, whatever that may be. 
Um, you know, even if maybe they're struggling producing, you know, point wise, they just, they just, you know, they do things like, like you did in your career, like block a lot of shots or, you know, maybe get into the dirty area, stuff like that. Do you, do you pay a lot of attention or, or try to help foster those intangible type of things? Yeah, I think the hardest part for, for kids kind of as they come along, I know myself when I came in, you're used to in junior kind of being being the guy and, and being one of the the main guys. The guy played power, playing junior, I kind of did all that stuff. And then when you get to the pro level, there's a lot of guys there, guys that are, are better than you at, at doing a lot of things, right? So you kind of really got to find what kind of role fits for you. And if you're used to doing those things a lot of times maybe that role won't necessarily fit you at the nhl at the top level at the highest highest level so you have to do other things well and i know a lot of times with the kids now and dealing with the guys um in allentown uh some of these guys that want to come up and be a part of the flyers some of those guys as a defenseman coming up trying to make the jump or a forward it's tough to fit fit in right now and the flyers on the you know top six forwards or to be a top four defense and those roles are kind of filled. So I, the biggest thing for these guys is to realize you have to play well defensively. You have to play well without the puck. You have to do all the little things well and fit into that role right now, the time being until you get your opportunity. Maybe there's an injury. Maybe there's something that happens where you get a bigger role, right? So it's just a lot of these guys kind of making that transition from being the guy or being the guy offensively to really having a well-rounded game and be able to play in, in all situations and be re- relied upon uh, in different roles that they're that they're not used to. So, and a lot of that comes down to, you know, just the guys battling and competing and going out and and, and accepting those roles and, and wanting to to do that and know that that's the way they're going to make the make the jump. And for some guys, it's kind of a hard hard realization that you got to sometimes you know alter your alter your game a little bit to make that next uh, next jump. So, very good. So, have you been able to? kind of give some some insight to these guys you know because i know it's it's kind of a well-known uh interviewer quote i think it was Vorchek said about you back a few years ago i think it was uh, 2016 playoffs uh where he basically you know gave you a lot of credit for stepping in front of uh ovechkin a bunch of hit shots in, in the playoffs and I, I could tell he was that that was a, a motivator for him um so i'm sure that you have identified some guys who are willing to to play that style to kind of put their their body in line for for their teammates. Um, have you been able to identify or at least kind of help some of these younger guys out who who want to play that style, who are kind of team first type of guys? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I guess that's not necessarily the what you want to be doing, but unfortunately for me at the time, that was playing the Caps and their power play and stuff. That was kind of my my job or what they had always kind of been a decent shot blocker. So uh, unfortunately I had the job of trying to get in the way of, of his shot. So it's, it's something where it's much more enjoyable if you have the puck and can control the puck. But if you, if you're one of those guys that has to kill penalties and you got to block shots, that's, that's what you got to do. You got to be, like I said, the role on a team and what you need to be um, relied upon. So if it's certain guys that, that need to, need to realize that or, or or that just be like an aspect of their game i think that's something that you can kind of incorporate if it's if it's a young guy that has skill but they're looking at him he's a smart player he's got a good stick he reads the game well he's good positionally and he's he's one of your top players maybe offensively but he can still kill penalties just to be in the shooting lane and still be able to 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 block pucks and, and do different things uh, and be strong in different areas of the game it's definitely something you can 
you can help guys with. It's, um, you know, obviously our, our main concern is, is working on the skill development and, and playing with the puck and battling and competing, um, all the small area games and different ways you can, you can incorporate in your practice where guys are competing and having that competitiveness where they, where they battle and, and fight for pucks and stuff. So it's, uh, it's something where, yeah, there's all different kind of aspects, uh, where you're trying to help these guys, you know, just develop and then get better. Very good. That's good insight. Chris, you got anything for him? Um, I just want to know, like, with the defensemen, do they want like when you're bringing up a a prospect in the AHL, do they want more of an offensive style defenseman now from like the style of defenseman like you played where you cleared the crease, you blocked shots, you did the more physical aspect, or do they still want that in a defenseman, or is it more just moving the puck, skating it out, and being that more finesse defenseman? Do you feel that? Yeah, I think yeah, I think the game in general has kind of changed that way, where it's not the holding up and the big lumbering defenseman that can kind of, when the puck gets dumped in, you can hold the guy up now, obviously with the instruction and stuff, you have to turn and go get, go get pucks. So it's obviously you have to be able to, to skate, to, to play. And, and when you have the puck, you gotta be able to make a play. Even if you're not the most offensive guy, you gotta be able to handle the puck and you gotta be able to make a good first pass. Um, but ultimately these guys that, that can do that and have that skill, you still have to be able to defend regardless of your, your size or your ability. Um, one guy I know, Jared Spurgeon, I played with in, in Minnesota, uh, little guy, but um, just plays the game the right way. He defends really well, even if it's a small, small guy. He's got a great stick, has good gaps, defends well, doesn't need to be a, be a big guy, but they use him to kill penalty. I mean, he's just a, a good all-around player and not a very big big guy. So I think regardless of, of, of what size you are or what type of player you are, you have to be able to, to make plays when you have the puck, but then also these guys, uh, don't, it's not just about putting up numbers. You got to be able to, to play and play without the puck and, and play in your own end of, um, a lot of that kind of factors into teams and their success. You got to be able to, to play a good team game. And when you don't have the puck, work hard to be able to, to get it back and, and be able to do something once you, once you get it. So I think it's a, it's an important part of the, the game now and you see the evolution that's kind of happening now. There's some smaller guys that can, that can play and move pucks, but they still have to be able to, to compete and, and defend without the puck. Okay, very good. Yeah, you answered, basically answered my question, Nick, about um, whether or not they're looking at smaller or bigger defensemen. I know it's kind of changed. They're looking for that hybrid defenseman as someone that's more offensive as, as well as defensive. Yeah. But um, I guess they've, it hasn't has it changed where the scouts are actually looking at smaller defensemen, or they just look at. Uh, I think they're still obviously if you can get a if you have a, a big guy that can move uh, like I think of Phil Myers right now in the in the minors that's going to be up with the Flyers at, at some point uh, down the road is a, a big right-handed shot defenseman that can he can skate and he can move and he can he can make plays he's he kind of do do everything so i mean if you have size it's great but if you don't if you if you're a smaller guy they're not in the past i think maybe they were not looking at those guys to play defense and now they now they are just because guys can defend well by having a good stick good body position always being in the being in the right spot and just if they have that competitiveness and they can battle and compete for box they can they can play the play the position so i think it definitely definitely changes it and i think there's obviously a, a greater opportunity out there looking for quality quality defensemen are tough to tough to come by. I think even right now you see at the NHL level there's teams that are 
are struggling to find a, you know a good six six D that they can put in their lineup. So I mean, it's a position that's always going to be teams need you know six quality guys. And I think if guys, regardless of your size, if you can play the position the right way and, and defend well and contribute offensively, it goes uh, goes a long way. True. Okay, you're right, Sean. Everything to add to that? Yeah. So. Nick, for some of our younger listeners, you know, I, I I noticed something really interesting. I was able to a few months ago when he was in town, Caden Primo, who's a Montreal Canadiens draft yeah. pick, he was working out, and um, a lot of there was a lot of young goalies w- were able to watch him him skate. And the one of the takeaways was they basically all do the same drills. So the takeaway from that was you can't get away from fundamentals at any at any level. Um, I, I, I'm sure that's true for defensemen. That's true for forwards. Can you can you comment on the amount of time that that you spend, you know, with with these prospects on on just the the, the little things and making sure they don't forget the fundamentals of what they're doing? Yeah, that's. I think that's the, that's why the development staff now. I know the Flyers this year hired uh, Lane Vigneault, brought in a, a skills coach and stuff because during the year the coaches are so focused on. Uh, the team game and, and how they need to play. If it's the power play, penalty kill, neutral zone forecheck, uh, whatever it may be that they're they're working on. A lot of that stuff is stuff that players have to do kind of on their on their own. So if there's stuff you can work with guys after practice. I know in the Phantoms are always doing stuff after practice, working on you know if you're shooting pucks or whatever it is or retrievals, whatever it may be for defensemen forwards are always always working on handling pucks and going through obstacles and, and shooting pucks. So it's always things that you can you can help out with and, and stay on top of your on your game and your and your skills and stuff right because a lot of times in practice you know more of it is the coach tailoring it to to being ready for the games and the team the team ready right so a lot of the work that you do in the summer working on that on the fundamentals of your game skating shooting all that stuff sometimes it's lost uh throughout the coach's practice because you've got to get the team ready for the game right so that stuff after the fact you can do or with the player development staff that teams have now and these skills coaches and stuff that's kind of more more implemented on that or if you have a skating coach or whatever whatever it may be each kind of player needs needs different things that they can continually work on and get better at so you said something really interesting um a few minutes ago that that i want to ask you about so obviously these guys are playing in different organizations whether it be college uh junior program you, you do speak to their, their coach and their staff. How much input, if any, do you have with, with, with guys like that on a daily, weekly, or monthly basis of, about their development? I'm, I'm sure, Ed, just like you said, they're, they're busy with their, with their own team, their own system. But how, how much, I, don't, I guess I don't want to say influence, but I guess how much do you talk to, that, to those guys on, on a regular basis? Yeah, so for the college guys, their season just started, so I got out uh, to watch a few of them their like second weekend of the their season and stuff. So just try to you know watch them play, and like I said, we have uh, video access to them to a lot of their games and stuff, so we can watch that or, or contact and, and talk to them over the phone, send messages to them, just kind of see how they're doing, how they feel about their game, and having having watched it if we were there or between myself and Shell or. Um, seen it on video kind of thing and then with their coaches obviously if there's something going on or the players the players struggling right you can kind of see what's what's going on or you get a chance to meet them you just try to build that relationship and and just kind of be on the same page generally from the coaches in these in these spots in these junior leagues or um, 
college and you got some quality quality coaches so you don't try to like you know overstep your bounds it's just there to help out and just kind of be on the same page and understand that you know those those leagues are development leagues and these guys are trying to do the same thing obviously those coaches want to want to win to to keep their job as well and have a good good program and, and be able to recruit kids and get kids to come come through there but um but they're generally from my experience in the short short time doing it they've been they've been really good to to talk to and deal with and generally you're on the on the same page they're good hockey minds that you can kind of kind of talk to and really really help these kids try to develop and get better excellent nick um i wanted to touch on a topic regarding usa hockey adm program and canada's hockey development being that you came from Canada and you play at that lower level all the way up to higher levels, what is your thoughts on USA ADM and how it compares to Canada's hockey development? Yeah, I think USA hockey has done a lot of great things. I know uh, coming here from Canada for my, for my son at the time, he was already transitioning at my level to, full ice hockey and just to see those little guys out there on that big big sheet seemed almost kind of a little bit pointless so when we got here and you got to the half ice model um was great and to see the kids to have that aspect of of small area and and have the beat guys and not just the one kid that could skate motor by everybody really i think you know helped out usa hockey and, and developing that you know you know to to beat guys and, and battle and compete and i, I know now hockey canada's adapted that at that young age two so i mean i think they're doing a lot of a lot of good things um and you see with their development program here uh, all the kids that got drafted in the first round last year i think that's a that's a big big plus here and their world junior success they've they've had has, has gone along gone a long way so i mean i think they're on the right right path you see all these usa canada and all these events these teams are are good and they're they're looking at trying to do the do the right things so i think usa hockey's got a lot of great Great things going for them. They got a lot of guys constantly looking over rules and changing things and trying to make the game game better uh, to develop these kids. And I think that that half ice that they had at the young age has really really helped. And even when I went out to these college and and junior practices, I, they, a lot of these teams are they're doing their ha- um, small area games and stuff, even at the the highest level. So I mean, it's it's something where it's it's great and, and kids are doing it, and it's it's just a good aspect of the game to have that that compete and that, uh, that battle and, and having those kids work on those skills, protecting pucks, you know, the move in, in tight areas and beat guys and, uh, and, and do all that stuff. So I think USA hockey is doing some, some great things and, and each program I'm sure is looking at, at the other one, what they're doing and who's having success. And I think with the, with the development program there and all those, all those kids coming out there and getting, getting drafted and, and making the jump to the NHL, it's probably something hockey Canada is going to, going to look at down the road i would i would assume so it's uh it's something where i think they're they're doing a great great job trying to trying to develop the guys and, and make sure they can become the best players they can be okay sean you have any comments on that i uh, know well i'm just that's great insight and i'm just surprised you haven't dropped off after that answer um, what's that uh he's talking to me <laughs> so he so yeah so well-known fact on this podcast chris yeah. sarver is not a big fan he's of the ADM, so that that was really good insight. So I'm surprised he's still uh, he's still. What's the, what's the, what's not good about the ADM? I what's just feel that the cream should rise to the top. So if a player is out there and he's dominating and he's touching the puck and he's scoring, he's passing through everybody. And 
Why should they? I believe that Canada perfected the sport. So if it's not broken, don't fix it. Why should we change? Because USA Hockey says so. Canada's perfected it. So why are we changing it? Perfected in what regard? In what? That we His question more is, um, like, look at a player like Sidney Crosby. How, yeah. he, he's trying to say, how come there is never a, an American player that is 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 at that level, like Crosby, McDavid? He he feels that no American player can reach that level. That that that's, yeah, that's what know, he's that's, trying to say. Yeah, that's that's tough. I don't know if it's just I. That's a good. I mean, good I believe question, I, I guess, believe Canadians I those, those do are two pretty special players. I don't know how many guys you can put in that in that category, right? Mm-hmm. Those are those are pretty pretty exceptional players, but I think that's, I mean, they're doing a lot of the, a lot of the same, same things now. And now you see this power edge pro that McDavid did with all this, yeah, yeah. the speed that he generates and like crossovers and being able to handle a puck and, and beat guys and doing all this stuff. The skill development now is just, is, it's huge, right? So a lot of the stuff that these guys are, are doing and working on, I think it's, it's come a long ways and, and organizations, teams and stuff are using this using this stuff and trying to get their, get their guys better. But I mean, it's, if you look at the, the top guy, if you look at Austin Matthews, I mean, there's some really good U S born players, Patrick Cam, I mean, there's Patrick some Cam, really high end, high end talent. So it's tough to really so, say that it's, it's you, not, not quite working, but it's, you know, I think there's obviously always ways to, to improve and get better. And that's why I think hockey Canada adapted the, the half ice stuff for the young guys. Cause they saw how well it was, it was working through, through USA hockey. So I think these guys aren't, you know, kind of ignorant to that fact. They're always trying to look to, to get to get better and, and, and do what's do what's best for the kids. But you, you would agree though the, the Americans are coming closer though, right? Or no? Yeah, I would I would I would say. I mean you see the how many kids got drafted this yeah. past yeah. year that US born to, to Canadian and and all the way through. I mean there's there's lots of lots of kids getting picked and, and lots of kids playing the game and, and some really high end high end talent. So mm-hmm. I mean I don't think it's I think those those guys are two two pretty special guys and I don't know if you went through the league man for man and, and who had better better guys comparing them. I am not sure what you would what you would find, but it's it's something where I think there's they're always looking at ways to to improve and, and get better. So I agree with you. Because it's interesting that you have the GTHL and that's where the development is. And that's, it's like the Mecca of, I guess you say youth hockey. So like, why would people come here to play when you can play in the GTHL and be successful, go on to juniors and, and be a successful player because it's, the development is superior to here, I believe. Um, yeah, I guess it just, it, I guess it just depends what you're, what you're looking for. If you, if you go junior hockey in Canada, if you're throwing, throwing it all in and you're trying to, trying to turn pro or if you're going to play a junior A level and, and, or USHL and try to get to the college, I think it just gives you, gives you some more time to develop and mature and, and kind of get to that, that level unless you are a really, a really high end, high end guy. So, um, but I think there's there's good players ever. I know that GTHL is a good good league, and there's lots of good kids out of there. There's so many kids that that play the game there, and the the talent there is is there's definitely a lot a lot there. But I think it's there's there's lots of areas. There's if you look at Sweden, Finland, some of these small countries, a lot of the stuff that they're doing 
the players producing coming out of those places. I mean, there's lots of good good players. Russia, all these places that have countries that have really solid players coming and, and playing in the league. So it's always guys looking at, at new ways to, to get better and really fine-tune your game so you can be the best player you can be. Okay, thank you. Um, Sean, do you have anything to say? Uh, I'm kind of curious, Nick, on how you guys balance the development and bringing along a player with the needs of, you know, the the organization in general. You know, whether it be Phantoms, whether it be the big club, whether it be, you know, their their junior team or college team. Um, I, I the long term, you guys probably have a more long term approach to a lot of these guys. Yeah, I guess like looking ultimately, it's it's the Flyers first, right? I mean, they're the the team that's that's got to perform and got to got to play, and you got to make sure you got your best your best guys there. And how can you get those guys to that level? And obviously, that trickles down through the through to the Phantoms, and and you know what makes sense for guys there. Like Morgan Frost is there right now. What makes sense is it best for his development to be there the whole year? The Flyers are struggling. Do you, do you bring them up and put them in that? situation or if there's injuries I mean there's all things that kind of factor in and, and ultimately you want to do what's what's best for the player in their development but sometimes they got to get they got to get thrown in the fire and you they're maybe up a little bit before they're before they're ready uh I look at Joel Farabee this year had a great training camp probably could have stuck at a training camp went down to, to Lehigh and had a great five six games whatever it was and, and came back up and just a great great player smart player plays the game the right way competes hard gets tremendous skill and really kind of help the help the team. So I mean, it's it's something where you try to look at, at when they're ready to make that step and 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 permanently stay there, right? And sometimes it's they need a little more seasoning in the in the American League. And then if you go even further, the guys that are in um, you know junior college, how how soon? Like Cam York, the first rounder from last year, first year in Michigan. Uh, Fairview last year played one year and then turned pro. So you try to see what's best after this year. Is Cam York ready to? to make the jump and, and turn pro if he's in Lehigh, would that be better for his development than going back for another year of, of college? So I think there's all different different levels and different scenarios with, with each guy. And I think it's, uh, you know, the team takes it pretty seriously with, with all their prospects, making sure they're trying to develop them the right way and have them in the right, the right spots and make sure that they're becoming, you know, the player that they, that they ultimately should, should be and, and, you know, be able to get to that next level and, and become a flyer, hopefully, at one day. Very good. Um, I, I have a I have a question about like the Flyers in general, not not so much on like player development, but the yeah. um the Flyers, like you know, we go through coaches. When when do you make the decision to go through the core group of players and start trading them out? To, to it always seems to be a problem with consistency. Am I right, or yeah. do, do you agree with that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's definitely that's the that's the hardest. The hardest part is is to be be consistent and continually win. That's why you look at the good teams that have that have done it, and, and I mean it's it's uh, it's impressive. That's why you very rarely see a team repeat as uh, Stanley Cup champions. Yeah. It's really really tough. There's a lot of good teams, a lot of good good players out there, and it's every year it seems like there's the parity is uh, is even more so in the league. So yeah, it's, it's something where it's, yeah, it's got to come down to the guy. It's a mix of the, the older guys, mix of the younger guys mm-hmm. coming up have to form a, a good team. And with a new coach again, they have to buy into his system and be willing to, to play a certain, certain style. Mm-hmm. I look at it very, what he did in his last year, one of the worst 
offensive teams in the league, and he turned them around the the best he was schools against, and and made the playoffs and have a great had a great little uh, you know regular season and and not a bad postseason. So I mean, it's it's something where when a new coach comes like in like that, you sometimes you have to maybe change your game a little bit and adapt to their their systems and their style to to really help the team turn the corner and be a consistent team and be able to compete every night and, and get back in the playoffs. So. All right. Thanks, George. All right, Nick. Um, we're pretty much ending this 30-minute segment. I want to thank you very much for coming on the show and giving us your insight. Uh, Sean, do you have anything for the last 30 seconds here? No. Listen, Nick, appreciate you being on. It was uh, it was really insightful. I don't think a lot of people get the uh, behind the scenes at, at what a player development coach does, the responsibility. So this was good stuff. Appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Anytime, guys. Glad I could uh, come on and help, and best of luck with the show. Thank you. Thank you. All right. um, To all of our listeners, okay, stand by for part two of the Hockey Locker, episode three, where we will dive into a little bit more and talk to uh, some of the guys about stuff we just talked about with Mr. Schultz. So, Nick, thank you very much, and good speaking with you. Awesome. Thanks, guys.